but in, in chapter uh, 16 of Deuteronomy, uh, a lot of instructions been given um, about coming to the Lord and worshiping the Lord, the feast days and when they had to come to the temple and when they had to make the trip. And, and, and the title of our uh, series of lessons that we're going to be doing is called Living in Your True Identity. And before I get into it, I'm just going to do this as kind of an opener. This is from Robbie Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S book, Identity Thief. And he says, do you know who you are? I'm not talking about what you've done, because that's not who you are. I'm not talking about your circumstances either, or what people say about you. I'm not even talking about the scars that have been inflicted upon you or the traumas you have endured. These things may have nothing at all to do with your real identity. The truth is we all had times when we had fallen down or slipped up. We have all been misunderstood or mistreated. We have all said or done things we should not have said or done. We have all fallen short of our expectations for ourselves and other people's expectations, I add that part. But we're going to be learning about who we really are, who is our true identity. What, I mean, what is our true identity? And I want to tell you, my sources for this are The Identity Thief by Robbie Dawkins, that's one of my main sources, and uh, a book by Mark Hankins called The Power of Identification with Christ. And those are both excellent books. It's really interesting to me. I just love how God works with us, you know. He works with us the same, and yet he works with us individually. And, and he, he's so cool. He's so cool that he does things, and you don't even really realize what he's doing until you step back and say, oh, yeah, you know. But... Um, I think it was over a year ago that June, knowing that I like Robbie Dawkins, gave me a DVD called The Identity Thief. And it was such a good teaching. I thought, man, that is just super. So I bought the book. And I've been, the Lord's been dealing with me about our identification for a long time now. And I've just been trying to build myself up in that because it's so important. And then about six weeks ago, Portia and I and some of the other uh, ladies in the church, well, and Mike, he's not a lady, we all went over to uh, hear uh, Mark Hankins. Mark Hankins, uh, raise your hand if you're uh, familiar with him at all. Just a few. Okay, um, he is a word teacher, preacher out of Louisiana, and he runs in the same circles as Kenneth Copeland, he, he talks about Dad Hagen all the time. He really followed after Brother Hagen, and he's a great teacher. So we went over to hear him, and we got there a little early, and as we're walking by the book table, I see a stack of these books, The Power of Identification with Christ. And I thought, ooh, that's a good book. I looked at it and walked on in. We sat down, and like so many ministers do when they're teaching, you know, after they've shown you all their books and everything, then they throw them out to the people. Do you know in all the years that I have been in church, nobody has ever given me a free book. They gave me this book. I said, okay, Lord, that's confirmation. That's where we're going, you know. So, but it's an excellent book. And he'll do the same things with you in your life as well. 
another thing I want to say before I really get started is uh, several years ago, Mike McGuire gave some of us uh, this uh, handout called I Am. It takes all the different things that we are. I am a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace. And gives you the scriptures for it. And I'm going to lay it over here on the table. So be sure and get one of those when you leave tonight. I'm not going to give it to you now because I know what you would do. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Well, I am pleased with myself that I believe I have given myself enough time for the subject this time. I have a tendency, well, I I just can't have leftover time, so I cut myself short. But four weeks, I believe we're going to be able to cover this well, and so, Pastor, you can do all you want to, offering and whatever, and we'll still have plenty of time. Praise God. All right, let's start here. This is something that Kenneth Copeland wrote. As a resurrected creature, you're no accident going somewhere to happen. Your life isn't just a loose web of events and circumstances. God has specific plans for you, but you'll never know what he has in store for you until you put your attention on him. That's what Pastor was talking about tonight. That's why the devil works hard to keep you focusing on the problems of life. That's why he tries to keep your attention turned away from the living word of God. He doesn't want you to know you are full of the resurrection life of Jesus. In fact, the prospect of it terrifies him. Why? Because once you truly understand that you have the life of God inside of you, you'll begin to act just like Jesus did. You'll lay your hands on the sick, and they'll recover. You'll cast out demons. You'll preach the gospel to every creature. In short, you'll be just what God intended you to be. You'll be the body of Christ on the earth. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, it's so important to um, really set ourselves away for times of the day or times of the week, just to think on his word. Because, you know, I can read that and we can say, wow, yeah, that's good, that's good. But do we really absorb what it says? You'll begin to act just like Jesus did. Do you really sit, do I really sit and think about, what would it be like if I acted just like Jesus? Or where it says... um, Understand that you have the life of God inside of you. Instead of meditating on all those lies, those stories, those words that come through your head, we need to take our brain and meditate on what God says. It takes a conscious act, but you're capable of doing that. Amen? I know every one of you in here, well, I say I probably 99.9% of you, are just like me. Somebody in your life has told you, well, you are just stubborn. Well, you are just so strong-headed. Praise God. Every one of you are, and we can use that strong-headedness toward God. It doesn't have to be a detriment. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. We set our mind on what the Word of God says and go forward with Him, and we don't allow anything that the enemy tries to do to pull us off of that. Amen? This is pretty powerful. 
But that's why your enemy fights you so hard. The enemy wants to steal your knowledge and understanding of just who you are and what you have. Um, The title of Robbie's book was Identity Thief. You know, that was, when I was growing up, we never heard about identity thieves. My goodness, I bet if I took a, a poll in here, every one of you have been touched or somebody in your family has been touched by an identity thief. Everywhere you go nowadays, somebody's taking somebody's credit card, somebody's getting into somebody's account, somebody's calling you saying you owe money you don't owe, and all these kinds of things. There's identity thieves everywhere we go. And it's nothing new from the standpoint that the devil has been the identity thief from the beginning. We're going to start out looking at his M.O. in Genesis if you've got your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, I hope you'll at least take these scriptures down and spend some time looking at them later. In Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th verse, we see that God says that we were created to reign. We weren't created to grovel on the ground, to go hand to mouth in uh, monetary fashion, to, to live in fear. We were created to reign. But let's look over at Genesis, the third chapter, and read a familiar scripture about what happened. Genesis, the third chapter, starting in the first verse. I'm using the amplified version. Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said, can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron-like girdles. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Randy Dawkins says, Robbie Dawkins, how about that? Robbie Dawkins says, just as in the garden... Satan is still trying to keep us from God's glory through unbelief. He whispers, who do you think you are? You can't do that. You'll fail. You'll hurt the gospel if you try. Satan ministers fear to us, and we think it's our own thought process and fall into it. Jesus died to bring us back to the glory we have fallen short of. Everything we receive from Jesus, we can give away. Isn't that a cool thought? Everything we receive from Jesus, we can give away. You know, I think that's one difference now in the body of Christ more than maybe years 
past, say the 70s and 80s. In the 70s and 80s, we were learning about these things and we were learning about our identity and it was good. We were learning how to get ourselves out of the hole, learning how that we didn't have to be sick and we were learning that we didn't have to be poor and we didn't have to be at, in fear. But the emphasis of the Holy Spirit now is, yes, that's true, but give it out. Give it out. And don't be shy about it. Let the people you know that you run into that God is a good God, that he wants a relationship with you, that you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be in the dark. God wants you well and strong and healed. Amen? Now let's go on over and see what else the identity thief has been up to as we look at Jesus uh, in Matthew, the third chapter. I'm hoping, I don't, I, you know, I'm trying to, to follow the leading of the Spirit and everything and all this, but I'm hoping too as we go along, I don't know if it'll be tonight or other nights, that toward the end we'll have time for you to, to give your thoughts and to share on it. If, if you've had an experience where the enemy's really tried to, to take your identity from you and you've caught him and you've turned it around, we want to hear about those things because people think, well, oh, you're, you're the teacher, you know, that's your gift, you get up there and you do that. But people benefit from hearing you too. They benefit from hearing those around them give the things that God has done in their lives. So we're in Matthew, the third chapter, and this, uh, in the 17th verse, it says, uh, well, let's go to the 16th verse. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, my beloved, and I believe in the King James, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, or in whom I delight. So there we see Jesus coming out of the water, and, and God the Holy Spirit manifesting and speaking that he's the beloved Son of God. So we go on over into the next chapter, and you know what happened then. He went into the um, wilderness to be tempted, and look at verse 3 in chapter 4. And the tempter came to him. He said, if you are God's son, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. If you are God's son. If you are God's son. He knew he was God's son. God just spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He knew he was God's son. But Satan is trying to make him doubt. If you are, prove it. If you are, prove it. But there's another thing. God said, this is my beloved son. What does Satan say? If you're God's son, forget about being beloved. If you're God's son. He's doing that same thing to people today. He does not want you to recognize how much God loves you, how beloved you are of him. You're not just a second thought of God. You are his first thought. His first desire was to have you. It tells us over in Psalms that he knew you in your mother's womb. He's the one that brought you forth. Nobody in here is an accident. Nobody in here is a mistake. You were known in the womb, and God brought you forth, and you live to be here today. Amen. 
So, we need to know that we are his beloved son. We are beloved children, not just children. Another thing to notice about this baptism of Jesus is he came up out of the water and the heavens opened and these words were spoken over him. Do you realize that God spoke this about Jesus before he ever preached a sermon? Before he ever laid a hand on a sick person and made him well? Before he ever did a miracle, God said, this is my beloved. It is not your doing good works. It is not your performing miracles. It is not your healing the sick. It is not your teaching a class. None of that is what makes you beloved of God. From the time that you said, yes, Jesus is my Lord. I want you in my life. You are the beloved. He loves you just as much then as he ever will love you. You cannot earn his love. Yes, you can bless the kingdom. Yes, you can do things for God. But his love for you does not change. Isn't that awesome? Let's just praise him. We thank you, Lord. Lo karashtibaha. Lo karastamashen. Lo karaskidabaha sokolobashedin. Piendavaskobara. Piedekaskara. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So, as it says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if any man confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. You've made that step. You've confessed him as Lord. You've asked him into his heart. You are saved. What happens at that moment? Let's look at 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 17th verse. Therefore, if any person is in Christ. He is a new creation. Amplified says a new creature altogether. The old previous condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Now, if that's true, and it is, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. How many things have become new? All things have become new. When they look new, when they feel new, no. When God says they're all new, he says they're all new. They're all new. The devil has no evidence against you. He tries to come and tell you, well, you remember when you did this. Well, you remember how you were that. You remember when so-and-so did this and that and the other. He has no evidence. That person is dead. It's not here anymore. You're a new creation. Praise God. He is a criminal. He is an accuser. Anytime you feel accused, anytime you feel in fear, anytime you feel in stress, it's the work of the accuser. You don't have to let him get away with it. Laugh at him. Laugh at him. Those voices come, laugh at them. They say, what are you laughing about? I know you're dead. I know you're nothing to me. I know who I am. I'm a new creature. You have no force here. Amen. The devil has no evidence against you. You're a new creation. Your first birth put you into Adam, but your second birth put you into Christ. 
In Adam, you shared his inheritance, his condition, and his future. So let's think about that. What was Adam's inheritance after he fell? I can't hear you. A curse. A cursed world was his inheritance. A world full of thorns and thistles and lack and pain. What was his condition after he fell? Say again. He was fallen. What does that mean? Separated. Well, tell me more about his condition. Can't hear you. Dead. Susceptible to everything. Susceptible to sickness. Susceptible to all the plagues that would come around. And what was his future? Nothing. Hell. Hell. No future at all. In Christ, you share, you're now in Christ, you're born again, you're in Christ, you have a new inheritance. You inherit Christ's inheritance, his condition, his future. So what is Jesus Christ's inheritance? Eternal life. Heaven. What is his condition? Righteous, healthy, whole. What is Jesus' future? Eternity, ruling, reigning, rejoicing, enjoying himself. Now look at 2 Corinthians 5.18, just the next verse. It tells us that this wonderful transformation, this new creation that we are in Christ Jesus, this is his doing. It is the gift of God. It is the work of God. It's not because you did something wonderful. It's not because you went to church every Sunday. It's not because you prayed every night before you went to bed. It's the work. It's the gift of God. Now, let's look over at, we're still talking about the the MO of the fallen one. Let's look over at Revelations, the 12th chapter. Looking at verse 10 and 11, Revelations 12, 10 and 11, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And how did they overcome him? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So, it tells us there what Satan is about. He's accusing us. Anytime you feel accused, that's where it's coming from. Okay, I was trying to see what that note was up there. It's not important. Okay. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Knowing about the accuser, we've we've established that. He was accusing in the garden. He was accusing in the wilderness. He's accusing every day to you. We know about the accuser. We have a part to play. And I'm going to take you to my favorite um, prayer scripture for the body of Christ, for my family, for myself. And that's in Philippians. I've talked to you about it before. But since nobody in here has 100% recall, we'll go through. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Okay, I put first. I am in the process of having my Bible that I use all the time rebound. And it's so weird going into a Bible that I'm, because I, I know right where it is in the other one. So I'm having to look. Where's that prayer? Maybe it's in two. Hmm. Well, it says, wherever it is, that we pray that we'll be able to discern and choose the highest and the best. And, oh, here it is. Uh, Philippians 1, 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love would display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital, approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognize the highest and the best, and that you would be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless, that you would be able to approach the day of Christ not stumbling and not causing others to stumble, that you would abound in and be filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, to the honor and the praise of God, that his glory would be both manifested and recognized. What I wanted to point out to you is in that verse 9, where it says, with greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. And that's what I pray for you, and I pray for myself. The devil tries to be sneaky. He doesn't come up in front of you and say, oh, this is the devil, and I've come to give you a message. He's very sneaky. You'll think it's your own thought. You'll think it's your best friend's thought. You'll think it's uh, something cute on TV that you've seen. But we need to be able to discern and choose the highest and the best. You may not be able to stop yourself from hearing things like that in yourself or out there, but you can certainly reject them. You don't have to accept them. They have no power over you unless you give them that power. And you have been given power and authority over all the power and authority of the enemy. Amen? Um, also, I wanted to point out to you, as we're looking at this prayer, it comes to mind that if you are having battles in this arena, even if you're not, it would be excellent to take this very prayer and pray it every day for six weeks. See if your life doesn't change. Take this prayer, pray it every day aloud for six weeks and see if your life doesn't change. Well, that'll get boring. I mean, I'll have it memorized by then. That's a good thing. Uh, and don't worry about being bored. You are making the devil tremble in his footsteps. There is power in your words. Remember what it says over in Isaiah, I will create the fruit of your lips. I will create the fruit of your lips. What kind of fruit's coming out of your lips? We're going to spend a whole lesson on that one of these uh, four sessions about the fruit of our lips. Here we are, born again in Christ. What's coming out of our mouths? Make it line up. Praise God. All right. Second, uh, you were in 2 Corinthians. If you didn't lose that, or you can go back if you did. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 
These are familiar verses to a lot of you. But you know, as we've said before, this, this is supernatural food. It's not just words on a page. Every time you read it, it is doing damage to the kingdom of the enemy, and it's doing good for your body and the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, starting with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not carry on our warfare according to the flesh and use merely human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Just meditate on that. Meditate on how much power there is in you when you take the incorruptible, everlasting word of God and you put them over your lips into this kingdom where you live. It changes things. Well, I don't feel like it's changing things. I felt kind of weak. I felt kind of dumb. I didn't feel like... You're not going by your feelings. I'm telling you what it says in God's book. Amen. Amen. Did I say, pray, read what I was going to read, or did I say stop window? I get excited. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought. How many thoughts? We lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. Praise God. If Satan says he's going to destroy you, remember that God is for you. Let's, we're going to look at two more scriptures and we'll be done. Let's look at Romans, the 8th chapter. Praise. Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 is where we just finished. And now we're going to Romans 8, 31. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Not going to be able to sleep tonight. Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say to all this? Yeah, this lesson we've had tonight. What shall we say then to all this? Oh gosh, I'm going to get excited. What shall we say then to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Who shall bring any charge, O accuser, against God's elect, whom God justifies, who puts us in right relationship with himself? Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us, who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading for us as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering, affliction, tribulation, calamity, distress, persecution, hunger, destitution, peril, or sword? Even as written, we 
thy, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We're disregarded. Yet amid all these things, we are what? More than conquerors. And we gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, I am sure, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending, or threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's praise him. Hoshina kailibio. Hoshina kailibio. Hoshina kailibio. Tikada bahalasan. Urtika skiria. Oh, the devil is so afraid. He's so afraid that we might actually get this in our spirit. Because when we do, we're going to go out there and everyone we come in contact with, we're going to make sure they know the same thing. And he's going to lose a bunch of people that he thought he had. He's going to lose a bunch of people he thought were going to be with him in hell. He's going to lose again and again. You agree? Amen. Amen. Okay. Closing scripture. From 1 Peter, the first chapter. Verses 18 and 19. And this is out of the message translation. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. God always knew he was going to do this for you. God always knew he was going to do this for you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, it's 8 o'clock, but... I do want to give a chance. If there's somebody, and some of you've just been thinking, you know, I just want to tell them this. I just want to, you know, this happened. And, and if there's somebody like that, I want that. We want that. Anybody? I'm going to give you a few seconds. You're going to be brave. Praise Sabrina, I'm going to put you on the mic so that it can go on the recording. Yeah, but we want to go on the recording because people listen to this on the internet. Just like what Miss Joy was talking about, um, you know, she says that, you know, it's not by what you feel because if you go by your feelings, then you're really going to lead yourself down to a path that you were before. And I've been brought up in the church. Mr. Um, Mr. Hale's been my pastor since I was three. But I just recently opened the Bible by myself and decided to read just the New Testament and take it not on my own understanding, but by what I believe God allows me to think the way that I can think, the way that I can accept things. And when I broke into that, it, I don't know, it opened a different door for me. And it's not a bad door. It was a very good door. But when it opened the door, I did have those certain things trying to tell me, well, who are you to say this? Who are you to have that thought? Well, I'm, I'm a... I'm a 
I'm a child of God. That's why I have these thoughts. And if you have to, if you ever have the negative thoughts, always try to make sure that you're understanding it with the most unconditional love. So I just have decided to own this new title for myself that I am the misunderstood, understanding misfit. And that's just what I'm going to be. <laughs> Thank you, Sabrina. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You're a good, good father. Yes, you are. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor, I'm going to give it back to you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.